Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! The Kentucky Wildcats were victorious over the Tennessee Volunteers at Neon Stadium. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. Today, we're going to talk about it all on 11 personnel. Uh, and we're also going to look ahead to the Missouri game this weekend against that dork Eli Drinkwitz. But first, Luckett, Phil Fulmer had what's coming to him. And I don't I don't know too many folks that are happier right now than, than – uh, Actually, I think I've said that about every other person who I've talked to about this game. I don't know who could be happier than this guy, but I know they're, I know you're not a big Phil Fulmer fan. I just want to know. I know that that guy was in the stadium. How come we didn't get one, one shot of him just once? The entire fourth quarter, I was waiting for just his face, just so I could screenshot it and go in on him on Twitter. Big old mask on. Yeah. Or maybe even had one of those checkerboard neck right. meters. Oh, that would right. have been great. Because part of the reason this is so sweet is just because Tennessee has built up this barrier, I guess, between the two programs. Um, because that's always the thing they've had over Kentucky, even in these this last decade. Um, you know, you talk about uh, Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, and now Jeremy Pruitt these last three years, the last 13 years. The records, you know, they've been very mediocre. Since 2017, Kentucky's been the better program, but they've always had the, you know, we, we beat, um, you know, we always beat Kentucky. 2010, Kentucky beat them, but they, they fired Derek Dooley right away. Or they, I believe they fired him right away um, yeah. during the next year. 2017, they there was a year they fired Butch Jones. They went 0-8. So it was just like, well, you beat the only uh, winless team, Tennessee, worst Tennessee team of all time, and you only won by three, even though Kentucky was minus four in the turnover margin. Right. This year, Kentucky finds a way to be plus plus three in the turnover margin and blows out a Tennessee team people were talking about as, you know, a preseason darling and team we talked about like that we didn't really understand all that we're, hype. The we're back Tennessee. Right. Right. Team. Yeah. Feels like ninety-eight. <laughs> and so it was just it was just sweet and just to beat them like that. Um that's just a way like when we grew up watching it, that's how Kentucky lost to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, getting mauled at the line of scrimmage um, and then making silly mistakes on offense. And so it was very, very sweet afternoon in the Luckett household. Oh, man. And especially when they were showing old Fulmer clips where he's got those big dumb hats, say Tennessee, and they had the orange britches on, which like I, they all get hot and bothered when they wear the, the orange britches, orange britches. And it's like, well, that's – at least you can pee down your leg and still not see it when you're wearing those mm-hmm. orange britches that don't show. That's probably why they wore them because Kentucky just whooped them up and down the field all day long. And and I know there were certainly some moments as a Kentucky fan where you were kind of just like waiting for things to go wrong, especially when Keaton Upshaw dropped that touchdown pass. But yeah, I mean, what could aside from that? Kentucky played a really clean game. The only holding call was the Drake Jackson slam the guy to the ground holding call, which like right, which is bad call. Yeah, like, come on, that that happens all the time. Like, we're, we're, what are we doing here? So, for the most part, Kentucky played a really good, sound football game. And, and once the offense completed a few passes, they were really they really did whatever they wanted to. And I, I kind of wish Stoops would have ran up the score. I kind of do. For me. It's 14 nothing. You get that Tyro Asian pick. And I thought if Kentucky scores a touchdown there, the game's over. Because it was going to take 12 quarters for Darren Carantano to score 21 points, essentially. <laughs> the way that game started, you throw three, inter- you know, you throw two interceptions. The third, you're going to have to put Carantano. He's a, you know, he's a mental mess over there. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. So it's 17 nothing. And then you're like, okay, I'm like, you know, you left some points on the field there. That was the first, first moment. And then Tennessee goes down and drives. But I really thought a key in the game was those next two possessions. They got stops. 
mm-hmm. where Kentucky was really in a bad situation. It could have been 14, 17, nothing in the middle eight, where it could have turned a blowout into a close game again. They get two right, really right. key stops because um, Garantano had to throw it and he was, you know, scatterbrained all over the place. And then you come down, you score that first possession out of, out of half, 11 plays, 76 yards. The game was over then. There was just – there was no way. Once you got to 20, there's just, there was no way they, they were going to have, one, the possessions, two, um, Kentucky doesn't give up big plays. So they, it was just – there was no way. So, I knew, like, right then. I know a lot of people had back and forth. But yeah, I think yeah. what's getting lost in the sauce there a little bit is just that there was just no way Garantano was going to score. Well, something I didn't notice until I did my, my second watch back, and it, it I, I should have been more aware of it at the time, but, like – you know, you just have those bad Tennessee memories. I mean, hell, two yeah. years ago, it was just last year, Kentucky went up 13 nothing, and then gave up 17 unanswered and lost the game. So, like, th- those memories are still fresh. Those wounds are still there. But when Kublik buzzes into the sideline, and you know, like, this is one of those things that they pre-produce while doing commercial break, where Kublik, <laughs> I mean – Tom Hart kind of introduces it when they come back from commercial break. And he's like, you know, you can tell a lot by where the team feels about their quarterback, about how they respond uh, to the interception. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cole, what did you see on the sideline? Well, there was a long eight minutes for Jared Garantano. He was just kind of standing there by himself while the fans yeah, for seven, 756 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, uh-huh. my God. Like, And you know what? First off, I'm just happy that he finally played like normal Jared Garantano against Kentucky. He he'd been Johnny freaking football, Joe Namath, Johnny Unitas. He had been all of the above against Kentucky the previous three times. It's about damn time he's got back to normal against Kentucky. But secondly, I almost feel bad for him now because that team's just not like there's much deep, there's deep rooted problems within that program. But, like, he just takes all of it because of the pick sixes where you've got uh, Johnny Redneck and their their hunter's finest just throwing beer bottles through windows and <laughs> screaming at me. They have lost their minds. Where Even their TV reporters well, are it like – It gets back to the point, though, Nick. I think how they've been – how they've been just kind of raised in their fanhood, it's always been you beat Kentucky no matter what. We lose to Vanderbilt every once in a while. We can't beat Florida. Um, the Bama series has been up and down, but you all the one constant is Tennessee always beats Kentucky in football. Mm, they have it over and they have it on they own that even when they know subliminally that Kentucky's had the better program the last four years, but it hasn't mattered. Tennessee still beats Kentucky in football. And so when you go out there and you you know, Kentucky really puts it to them and embarrasses them. Like, I think that's that's the root, I think, of all their, their fan base reaction this week because that's not what they do. And that's why that's why they're furious. I think that's part the main reason uh, Jeremy Pruitt felt he needed to fire somebody. He's just like, we're going to pick the new guy. <laughs> right. Get out of here. You don't – at Tennessee, you do not lose to Kentucky. Like, you do not – like, that's – that's a like a bit – that's a really big deal. And people, if you have friends in Nashville, if you have friends in Memphis – you have friends in Knoxville or if you have friends that are Tennessee fans here in the state of Kentucky, people are, they're pissed this week. It's because you do not lose to Kentucky. If you're Tennessee, that's why it's so sweet. And so rub, like rub it in their face, (laughs) rub it in their face because you have to hear it. You hear it all the time and they, they're an abrasive fan base. There's no doubt about that. Oh, they're horrible online. Just the worst. And, and, and you know what? They've at least stayed out of my mentions, which is a shock. Like mm-hmm. when you get SEC Mike on here, just to like, come on, I want to, I want to drink some tears, Walls. Mm-hmm. We throw them my way. And even nationally, the reaction has just been more of Tennessee, kind of like I don't know, like a hangover got to them kind of thing. But when I was looking at the rosters, there wasn't much difference in there. All Tennessee star power on that roster was on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And, and so they got some younger guys that aren't really up there yet that Pruitt's recruited. But Kentucky – and then you look at it, Kentucky matched the offensive line per se. And I, Kentucky's I, – like I said two weeks ago, I think Kentucky has a better offensive line. The, and that, that showed out on, on Saturday. The thing that, like, I, surprised me was that really the only way that they had any success against Kentucky's defense running the football was tempo. by using tempo. And, yeah. like – Tempo is typically what you have to go to when you don't have the guys 
And Tennessee should have the guys on that offensive line yeah. to open up holes. And Kentucky just like, nope, not happening. Um, which I think tempo is something that is going to like that. That's really going to be the weakness of this Kentucky. Yeah, you're going to see some on Saturday for sure too. So, uh, I mean, how, how how do we make it not our weakness? Like it? <laughs> I mean, I because I feel like really when teams go tempo, it's because they're they're kind of out of their they they don't know how else to beat a strong mm-hmm. front seven so they they're, they're resorting to that and I, I don't know what you do other than stuff them on first down down and don't let the drives really get going uh and, and then get just it. create some kind of havoc play or something like cause you beat tempo by getting tackles for loss and incompletions that's how you beat tempo if you just let them fall forward and keep going you then can get in a rut right right but that's how you beat tempo you you get tackles for loss you get an incompletion. Well, they need to do that because I ain't, I ain't going to stand for Connor Basilak and that drink with. Yeah, it's just dork. something that, like, you're right, they're going to have to work on. But that's something that I think all defenses deal with. Tempo's tough mm-hmm. to deal with on a, you know, every yeah. day. Especially basis. when you lose Quentin Bohanna in that series as well. Right. Uh, just kind of adjusting on the fly. Yeah, I know that was a big thing. But I didn't think, like, live it seemed like a thing. But going back and watching it, I didn't think it was – too big a deal. Kentucky wasn't – they weren't putting numbers in the box. They were keeping it light because mm-hmm. they were they're not they were not going to let Tennessee throw the deep ball. And then basically what it got down to is like Eric Gray had a really good game. You know, you look at the stat line, 24 carries, 128 yards. Like that's a workmanlike effort. But then when you dig a little deeper, he only had one – his longest run was 13 yards. I believe he had two runs that were over 10 yards. So like he wasn't getting, you know, anything big. It was what it creates is a lot of, you know, kind of third and fours and whatnot. But Kentucky was able to get out, get off the field in key situations, which is important. Look at, we need to know how Kentucky performed with runners in scoring position. Uh, That's going to be something I'm going to ask every week now. I just hope you're ready because that stat and wound large. And I feel like the same thing happened again, just not in as obvious of a manner this time around. Offensively, Kentucky scored every time they had an opportunity outside of that last possession. Pock ran out. Which, I mean, come on, Stoops. Just, just let Joey Gaywood run it in. So, you had four possessions pretty much, and you got 20 points. So, five points per possession. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, two field goals um, and then the two touchdowns. So, you got you got points on each on each opportunity, which is, which is solid. On the other side, now this was against a Tennessee offense, remember, that – was like tops in the country in this metric. They were they were scoring every time they got a chance, pretty much going in that Georgia game. Kentucky shut them down. Which uh, let's see here, I got it written down. Let I me do find appreciate it. that Luckett has everything written down. Like okay, everything's gone virtual, but not Adam Luckett. Tennessee had five of these possessions, so they both teams have five of these possessions. Mm-hmm. Tennessee only scored one time. Scored seven points. One of them was a Jamin Davis return. Two turnover on downs. Yeah. One was a punt. The first possession, the Boogie Watson sack. Knocked down field goal range. And I'm glad you included that in the in the three plays uh, Saturday. Yeah, that was a because, big play. Yeah, and it, it, it's easy to get lost in a shuffle. It, especially when you've got a bunch of pick sixes. But to knock a team out of field goal range, who, especially who they've got a good kicker, which he's been uncharacteristically bad this year for some yeah, reason. surprisingly. Uh, but uh, still, to do that and to, to make them scoreless at the beginning of the game, huge situational football, which, like, lucky damn it, this – the thing about this Kentucky football team through four games, I remember two games ago I was like, I don't know who – like, or it might have been last week. And when I came in here and you finally got my head out of the gutter trying to figure out this team, it situational football has been the theme through four games. In the first two weeks, it just wasn't there. And the last two weeks it has been. And well, that's that's what happens though, Nick, if you uh if you don't give up big plays, which is what Kentucky does on defense, and then offensively, if you kind of labor to create explosives, specifically in the passing game, which mm-hmm. Kentucky does. So it uh, it comes down to um these situational plays so when you get like chances to score those are those are really important in games kentucky plays kentucky makes you play in the mud and they play their best when they can get you in the mud they don't want to they don't want to track me they want to get you down down the muck and cole kubelik on the sec network after the game i'm not sure how many people saw it 
uh, he had a line that was like, you know, if you take you, you go to a track meet or have like a combine or something like that, these Kentucky guys probably, you know, they're probably middle to lower pack in the conference. But if you go out um, in the alley and wanted to have a street fight, <laughs> I, I'm taking them over any, anybody else in this conference because they're going to they're going to scratch. They're going to claw. They're going to fight. They're going to play a little dirty and they're going to find a way to beat you. It's freaking Youngstown, man. Yeah, It's just like their head coach. And I, yeah. I love it. And, and you know what? It's. In a, in, in a weird year, at least Kentucky has their identity. And when you look at it from 10,000 feet and you get out of the – how we kind of live and die with every single play, the, the national folks, they know that what Kentucky's going to do. Like, Kentucky's going to get out there and they're going to they're gonna fight you and they're going to play good defense. They're going to stop the run, limit explosive plays, and they're going to run the damn football. Uh, if they get it if, – if they can pass it at all, watch out. If they get a lead, you're like if this Kentucky team gets a lead on teams, a two score lead, most teams are toast. <laughs> the like, second half toast. time of you, possession right, was like twenty one minutes to five. <laughs> Tennessee had four minute four possessions in that second half. Yeah, all of them ended with a chance to score. All of Kentucky's drives in this in the second half. Oh man, that was beautiful. It really was pure utter. Is it utter domination? Utter domination sounds like something you do to a cow. So I don't think, but we'll, we'll go with it. Anyway. In Kentucky, I think it was a good thing in that second half because the offense was in a rut. Yes. You look at the last six quarters, like that second half I think was big to well, get some to get rolling and get some confidence. And as Eddie Grant said, I was like, just how much easier is it to run the football when you complete some passes? It was like, yeah, you can only grind, grind, grind so much. And – uh, and they did it in ways that weren't. We're mm-hmm. just going to throw a screen. It was we're going to throw well, some slants. You know, like it was. Way, it was. Kentucky fans weren't just like, oh, here we go again. It was a little bit different, and they were picking on the middle of the field where Tennessee was trying to blitz at them. It's like one of the original RPOs. It's reading that the um, that backside linebacker. If he mm-hmm. if he bites on the run, you throw it. If he floats, you run it. And Tennessee's guys, mainly their nickel, their weak side nickel, and their two inside linebackers were just sprinting to the football. Mm-hmm. And they were looking, uh, obviously, to stop the running game, but to blow up any design QB runs. Like, they wanted to attack the mesh. They wanted to blow all that stuff up. So, it left the middle, that little boy wide, wide open. And Terry hit a pop pass to Upshaw. Mm-hmm. He hit a couple slants off that RPO action. And as soon as he did that in the second half, it was a game changer. Then that's when Kentucky's run game really got going. and. I hate to bash on AJ Rose, but that just he had 10 runs. If you judge the success rate, so if you get 50% on first down, 70% on second down, 100% on third and fourth down, that's what the deems a successful play. AJ Rose had one successful run on 10 rushes. So wait, so say that again. Run okay. success is if you get how is it how many yards per down? Yeah. So if it's first and 10, you get at least five yards on first down. So you want to gain at least 50% of the yards to gain on first down. Okay. On second down, you want to gain at least 70% of the yards to gain. Got as you, you want to make okay, okay. I got yeah, on the third and you. fourth, obviously, you want to gain hundred percent because you want to move the chains. So AJ had that 10 yard run after the Asian interception, mm-hmm. which was a tough physical run. But other than that, it was a lot of yeah. one to two yard gain, a couple of negative plays. And that first so, play of the game, too. Right. I mean, like it was so much green grass, mm-hmm. and he just had one hand. Yeah, that's it. That was a big one. That was that and the big Ali play, one man. Were, were two plays that really stuck out of like, man. Like what, what, what the hell was Josh Ali looking at? Like, I, like, I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I have no idea. I don't know if there was a safety off screen. I don't think there was a safety off screen. That that's why I always, that's what I figured. There was just a guy there that I just didn't see on the. Because it made no sense camera. why he was cutting back into the defender instead of just running up the middle of the yeah. field. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't understand. We, we don't have the wide camera angle. But to the A.J. Rose, to, to make matters worse is that, like, Rodriguez got rolling. And that dude – Well, just, it was all the backs, though. Yeah. Terry had a good day on his design runs, which Terry, I think – they Eddie Green used to him how I think you have to use him. They didn't try to make him be a playmaker. He just managed the game and took advantage of in key scenarios um, to make key plays. But it wasn't like a thing where they're force-feeding him. Mm-hmm. Against Ole Miss, Auburn, Mississippi State, they tried to shove him down the defense's neck. Where, again, in Tennessee, they just let the game come to him more 
and just let him be a quarterback and make plays. I think that's the game plan. And then McLean was good when he was in there, and even Tisdale at the end. Yeah, it was a hard it looked, fought run. looked good. Now, I think at that point, Tennessee had their kind of hearts ripped out of them, but still. Yeah, um, yeah but he he made run and showed patience that, that we just don't see, I don't think, from Rose. Um, a lot of it's because he runs so high. And he's a one cut, you know, you want to get him in there one cut and then maybe try to explode through a crease. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, there's been two situations the last two games where I think it would be obvious Chris Rodriguez situations. You get the turnover coming out of half, turnover on day, or whatever it was, where you get the ball at the Mississippi State 25. Yeah, and he fumbles you it. Bring Rose out, and then you get it after the agent interception and you let Rose through that drive. Like those just feel like situations where it should be your your hammer in there. The good news is though, is it, there there was, um, there was two things that we were asking about Kentucky's offense going into this week that I think the light bulb went off in Eddie Grant's head in in that halftime locker room. And maybe not even so at halftime, Um, but nevertheless, it was, you needed somebody besides Josh Ali to catch, just catch a pass. And it makes your quarterback look exponentially better if just when he hits guys in the hands, they catch the ball. And then you needed to, to get to your uh, – you, you needed to find your running back. And it was it was, it was not cutting time for the receivers if they were going to drop passes and for the running backs. if they And I, I think he found Rodriguez and he found that, hey, if we get Allen – Allen Daly can be that guy. Our, our tight ends aren't that bad, even though Upshaw had a bad drop. So uh, it felt like they, they got their personnel right. They, they fed Rodriguez on that important drive uh, coming out of the halftime locker room. I think he had six touches for 42 yards and, and really got the offense moving, got them rolling. So I, I thought the red zone, red zone play calling just in general was really good. I still am a bigger fan of throwing it on second and short than waiting until third and short. But that's just, you know, it worked out <laughs> on that third down fade. Um, mm-hmm. And it worked out the the week before, I think, on a third down pass as well on third and short. So, uh, but nevertheless, that they ended in, in touchdowns more times than not. It's just a slow start. Like, you need to avoid that. And I think going into this game coming up, they're facing um, a defense they should be able to move the football on. So it's kind of I think it's kind of a get right game for this offense, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it can be underestimated just how big I think that second half was huge for that team offensively, um, because if you come out and you labor, then I mean you you win the game, everybody's excited, but you're, that offense is getting a little side eye all week. Right, right. You're not getting that, and now and it's also the just looking at the Terry Wilson stat line. Uh, you know, you might want some more yards, but that kind of efficiency where you're just not throwing a lot of incomplete passes and you're moving the ball forward. Yeah. That's, that's what's I just think, important. Right. I, 15 attempts, you know, about five or six rushes. Like, I think that's Terry. I think that's his sweet spot right there. If you could, if that's if you can win games like that, obviously you have to run a bunch to do that and get leads. But I think that's when the team is at its best, when he's just – you know, I don't say game manager in a bad way. It's just when he's able to manage the game, I think that's when he's most effective because that's when you can sneak him out on some zone reads. Those runs become more effective. And then in the passing game, you're just not asking him to do too much. You're keeping everything very easy and simple for him, and he can deliver. And you saw he delivered in key situations. You look at um, the third down throws he made. You look at all the two Upshaw ones and then the Allen Daly one in the red zone. All of those were throws on the money. No, no, they they were, uh, and even the the check down to Ali that it got overturned, like that one was on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stoops even said he's like, we wanted to take an even bigger shot, um, but he read through his progressions, and I mean, I think if Ali catches it cleanly, I don't think that that the video had enough to overturn it with his foot down or not, um, and that was just the excuse they were looking for. Uh, but nevertheless. Terry's got some swagger about him. He's got his swagger back. They're kind of, he's kind of just like you said, if football is a game of momentum, they're feeling good about themselves. And this is a week where you've seen Kentucky do this in the past, but Missouri's been a get right game before. Uh, and, and I think the scheduling did Kentucky a favor this. 
Oh, so you're the you're the one person who isn't just like, oh, they're hosing us again. That SEC, they're out to get us. Ten times out of ten, I would rather play Missouri before Georgia. <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Now there is a there is a part of me that's you like, can go in the Georgia game. It's you now Georgia's the, the bye, and then it's Vandy after that. So this the Georgia game is just it's a kitchen sink game. You know, if you can, you know, you want to win Saturday. So, you're all focused on Saturday. But let's say you win Saturday and then, you know, just throw it all at them. And then don't worry about, you know, empty the clip. Everything you got, just unleash it and unleash it. And then, you know, you got a bye week to figure, bye week and Vanny to figure stuff out before you head to that big road trip to Bama, Florida, back to back. I just think, I think, I think it's, I think it's a good spot for Kentucky. Obviously, Georgia comes off a bye. But you know, coming off a bye can be weird sometimes, especially, especially going for a noon kick. A, a bad game too, where you, your quarterback threw a bunch of turnovers. I mean, that was. I mean, that's what Bennett was. Was a he's a game manager, and he didn't and manage the game at all. Like two bad, bad series away in Lexington from seeing JT Daniels back in there, or um, Dewan Mathis. So you know, who knows? But like, I think this week's important. But I think um, it comes at a good week, and I. I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't scream hangover spot to me for Kentucky, mm-hmm. because mostly because of that two and two or the zero and two start. So that's my question for you, Lucky, because I know that in the preseason you picked mm-hmm. the Missouri game a loss. Was was it just because of the the hangover potential spot? I thought back to back Tennessee, Georgia, and then having to play at Missouri. I thought that was tough. Like you're talking about getting up for two big division games. Um, Tennessee, obvious reasons you you know you want to beat them border war, but um, even the coaching staff has talked publicly about how they need to beat Georgia, like that's their next goal. Mm-hmm. So you get two monster games like that back to back, and then Missouri just sneaks up on you on the road. It was going to be a noon kick, eleven eight. I mean, it just that game scared me. That's why I picked um, a loss. But I think the zero and two start and the shuffling of the schedule. I think this this game lands in a good spot. Um, for Kentucky. And I think they match up well when kind of doing um, a deeper dive on Drinkowitz's team. Now, here, here's my question for you, because we we talked about Kentucky's second half efficiency against uh, the Tennessee defense. How can Kentucky – like, is this a matchup where you can just easily carry that momentum into Missouri and, and build off of that and really – let your offense kind of spread its wings a little bit to where they're humming by the time Georgia comes to town. I think so. I mean, Missouri ranks 10th in the SEC in yards per play allowed. Um, you look at the whole season, um, this is probably going to be the third worst defense they'll face all year. Hmm, that's good. When you look at Ole Miss, Vandy, and then Missouri, from what I've seen so far, this was a defensive front Kentucky pushed around last year. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the same type of front. Um, they play, you know, they play a kind of a modern like five defensive back defense. So they'll be pretty much nickel the entire game. I think it's um, someone they matched up with well. And this was a group. Remember Nick last year in the Missouri podcast, I came on and said they do not fin- defend the QB run. Like they no, they no. struggle at that. They haven't seen it yet this year, so we haven't seen if they get any adjustments. But they got the same D coordinator, so I would assume it's going to be kind of the same issues. So yeah. I think Terry could have a big day on the ground. I think Kentucky should be able to – they should be able to impose their will on offense. And that, so, I I think it's a good bounce game for the offense. I think the offense could have a day. Yeah, Eddie said they do some different things, even though they kept the defense coordinator. But, like, this defense gave up 35 points to Tennessee, which, like, I don't – how? Well, I, I, I know – Their points per scoring opportunity defense – is not good. They also are pretty horrific. They're just, last in the SEC in red zone touchdown rate allowed. Yeah, 12 touchdowns for 15 red zone trips. Not good. Not good at all. And I also, what was the other stat I had pulled up? They aren't like a havoc defense either. They haven't created a lot of tackles for a loss, a lot of sacks. Minus five in the turnover margin. And uh, Coach Dorkowitz, that was his big emphasis during the bye week, the ball is life, or yeah. I don't know, something like that. We got to take care of the ball. That's mm-hmm. the second to worst turnover margin in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, they had really, uh, Kobe Whiteside was supposed to be a guy that was potential all SEC guy at D tackle, and he hasn't played well to start the season. Um, and then when you look at their defense, and really this is kind of the roster overall, like just recruiting rankings, they don't have 
like any blue chip or four star guys. Like Basilac mm-hmm. is the only four star starting on offense or playing major snaps on offense. And then defensively, they got a reserve defensive lineman that was a four star like junior college recruit. <laughs> but like I think Kentucky has better talent um, than them, and I think they match up well. This past de- their past defense has been really bad. Three hundred yards a game. So ho- you know, so hopefully you know Terry can have a good you know get some stuff going through the air, and then if Kentucky's able to pass it then it's, it's going to make the run attack um, even more successful, I think. They do have Nick Bolton, and it kind of reminds me of the um, – yeah, He's good. Yeah, he's, he's really, really good. good, but it, it kind of reminds me of, like, when Avery Williamson was getting a bunch of tackles for Kentucky. Is It's like, well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. somebody's got to get him, you know. Well, uh-huh. you look at their defense, and I, I like their secondary. Um, they've got a lot of experience back there. It's guys that have been starting for a while. Um, they, is, that, they, is that one kid still there, AC? No, he graduated last year. Oh man, that would have been great just to hear them all whining about the the Ahmad Wagner flag still. Because yeah. boy, remember, they've been they've been whining about that for a long time. Do you remember back on signing day when Drinkwitz got that commit from that corner? And he just lost right. his mind. Oh my god, it was like he, they start, won the he starts for Super Bowl. them. He starts for them as a true freshman. No, oh, well, let's pick on him, shall we? And so, uh, but like their safeties are really good, um, and they use they use them a lot of different ways. And Bolton's awesome, but. Up for up front, uh, you, Kentucky should um, have their way with this group. I would, I would think. But really, the matchup to me is the other side. Like that's the matchup because Basilak has been good since he's gotten in there, and they're getting he, a ton of big plays. He the com, just the completion percentage for him. It's seventy one percent. Yeah, I mean that's not you don't see that with true freshmen who are coming in off the bench. Or he's a he's a redshirt freshman, so right, right. He's been there two years, but still, just putting it on him. Uh, I mean, he's averaging ten yards a an attempt. Yeah, he's third in the SEC behind Corral and Mac Jones. In that, right. In that so, like, that's and and I don't see like a ton of weapons out there like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, like, that's even more impressive. Um, so yeah, Basil has been good, man. I'm glad you brought that up because you look at. Their offense, it's again, they have a talent issue, I think. They got a, a Juco starting at left tackle, first-year junior college player. They got a Rutgers grad transfer starting at center. They've got a Virginia Tech grad transfer starting at receiver, and they got a D2 Angelo State transfer starting at receiver. Uh, Damon Hazleton is that that receiver. that uh, Right, and he actually, had, he played he hadn't good- done much this year. He played well against uh, Eccles last year, though. Yeah, he, he did. A touchdown in the end zone. On he did. Him. He, um, it was a competitive catch he got over Eccles. Which I'm sure that, like, sure he'll be reminded of that yeah, right. going into the game. But, uh, I, like, it, I really appreciated it, – it felt like deja vu all over again when you said that an App State coach has an offense that's really just all predicated off of big plays. Big plays. Where have we heard that before? I wonder. He's got some similarities to Satterfield, but they they're but they're a lot they're a lot different too. They also are kind of all shucksy. Yeah, they both they just try to put on that that apple watch and charm, you know. And that was more Savannah. I watched that episode. <laughs> oh, Savannah! It rolls off your tongue like molasses. But they they got some all shucks to them. And I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Look, the it, Carolina the Carolina twang's a weird twang. It, it is. It's different. Like the country Carolina twang. Yeah, yeah. It's because. It just varies because you've got mountains. It's fast, but it's slow. Right, right, and it's and it's not quite East Tennessee like. Uh, yeah, it's not the drawl. Or that like what's the the kind of like um, squealiness to it that you get uh-huh. from East Tennessee? So it, it's it's a little bit tougher to nail down. But I think I finally nailed down why I hate it. I drink with so much, and it's not just because he's a nerd. It's because. When Missouri came to the SEC, I mean, of, of all the things, like at least Texas A&M, they're like, okay, the SEC is in Texas now. And they've got all their traditions. They're weird, but like it, it at least makes sense from a, uh, from a cultural standpoint. Missouri didn't quite have that. But you know what? They were pretty good at basketball at the time. Uh, I forget who was their coach then. It might have been uh, uh, Quinn Snyder. They had Mike Anderson, and then he left, and Frank Hayes came. Um, his stupid, big, orthopedic-looking shoes. His white sneakers that he wears, the suits. It was just a horrible. Well, thing. I think that was the main selling point 
for Missouri was that they could bring something in basketball. Right. I mean, the rivalry of Kansas. They're respectable in football. Yeah. Yeah. And and Gary Pinkle, you know what? He had a hard-nosed mentality about him. They always had really good defensive line. I mean, that was was Missouri football. Good in the trenches. And with Barry Odom, he kind of lost in recruiting, but at least he had that mentality. You know, he was a Pinkle guy as well. And when they got rid of Barry Odom, to replace him for Drinkwitz, it really just reflects the culture that Missouri has. They're a bunch of J-school dorks who think they're better than everybody. When not. They're, they're not at all. And to, to see them bragging about Pat Forty as an alumnus, we have the best journalism school in the country. First and foremost, no, you don't. Secondly, uh, you're bragging about Pat Forty as your esteemed alumnus? Like, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. Uh, and, and Drinkwitz just embodies that nerddom that just drives me nuts. And the fact that they're going away from a guy like Barry Odom, who's this kind of hard ass who, who prides himself on good defense. I mean, for Christ's sakes, he's the only guy that's been able to really slow down Ole Miss all year. Up until this point, Kentucky holding them to 35 in regulation was the gold standard. Yeah, He was able to do that last week because he's he knows defensive football. And he once he got rid of, believe it or not, hiring Derek Dooley was a bad idea. Uh, that kind of screwed him over. They didn't let him throw a mulligan. Instead, they get Drinkwitz, who, I mean, he's fake football guy tough. Like, he, he we're having a toughness Tuesday day today. And it's like, dude, that is such a how-do-you-do-fellow-kids kind of try-hard move. Like, we, you're not a tough guy, okay? You're really putting on this front. And it just it drives me crazy because Drinkwitz perfectly embodies what I hate about Missouri being in the SEC and what I'm going to hate about it, and I hope that Mark Stoops does his guy, Barry Odom, a favor and shoves him into a locker because St- Odom for a while was kind of like John Calipari's Mark Fox where Stoops would just really talk him up because he was a defensive guy who kind of struggled to find his right coordinator on offense, and he had that going for a little while, and that they pulled the trigger too soon. And now we're stuck with this dork who just wants to get some big plays. And you know what? If, if I know Mark Stoops, he's going to just shove it right down their throats. I did uh, a little bit of a deep dive when I was writing the scouting report this week. And if you go back and remember that search, like their AD came up with a list of four candidates after they fired on them. And they said, and they're like, they're, it's called their it's not called board of trustees it's like their regents or board something. of regents i think or something like that and they they pretty much showed him to go wipe his ass with that list <laughs> go get a new list <laughs> yeah and man. so he lands on there was a, it came down to like drinkowitz and someone else i can't remember who was the other one but drinkowitz one year as a head coach he was making like five hundred thousand dollars as nc state's offensive coordinator he goes at makes like 700k and then they hire him, and they're paying him four million dollars a year. Like he got like the biggest pay raise oh, uh, anybody could ever ever dream of having. And so, you know, he starts off. They were down thirty-five-three at Alabama. They still some fight in the fourth quarter. They go to Tennessee. Game was really never close. They were down twenty-eight-six late in the third quarter. They put Bazelak in there, gave him some signs of life. That quarterback that he started to at the beginning of the year. Tom Robinson sucked. He was so bad. He was worse than Western Kentucky's quarterback, who just was like, well, he's an athlete, but he can't throw it. I mean, he's just bouncing balls off the turf. He was terrible. And then they play Bo Pelini. <laughs> and man, like if you like if you like if you like defensive football, um, do not put on that tape to watch LSU. <laughs> like, there's some things like it, it it's disgusting watching it. Like going back and seeing how Missouri scored uh, with some of those busts. Like, there's first possession, they run a flea flicker. LSU's really not surprised. They get a pressure on Basilak. He throws it up. It just goes up for grabs, and, like, the, the corner of safety just mistimes the jump. It was Missouri bad, scored. too. It was like when you uh, are playing NCAA or Madden and right. you players, and you switch too soon, and he, like, he, he just mistimes the jump. That was what it was like. It was like somebody messed up on the controller. Yeah, yeah that's what like it looked a like. second too early. There was another one later in that, uh, I think that same quarter, first quarter, they run a little angle route with their running back, and, like, no one comes with it. No one is there when he catches it, and he just runs in the end zone. No one puts a finger on him. So it's just like, well, what the, what the hell were they in there? And then they run a deep post later in the game, and there is nobody on the screen. 
Kind of like the uh, Wolf of Miami game. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> they run a deep cross later in the game, and LSU misses like 10, 12 tackles, and it ends up being like an 80-yard game. So it's just, watching that game, I was like, well, they got a lot of that from big plays, and Kentucky doesn't really give up big plays. So I don't think that's going to be something they're going to get up. I know. And you know what I'm hyped about, too. Like, it is Missouri uh, – only Florida and A&M have allowed fewer sacks. Now, uh, you know, obviously – Florida. It's been better with Basilac in there, but with Robinson, he was bad. He was taking a lot of sacks. Yeah, and and I think the even though Kentucky's not going to apply a lot of pressure, they can get a lot of natural pressure with Boogie, Jordan Wright, JJ Weaver. I mean, those guys on the edge. They it all comes. Great. It all comes down to stopping the run. Um, Larry Roundtree is a good back. He's been there for four years. He's going to end up being Mizzou's second all-time leading rusher in program history. Pretty good. He's, you know, he's he's just solid. He's been solid all four years, um, yeah. and so they're going to run that outside zone, like you see from the 49ers, like we saw from Louisville last year, um, and really try. And they try to get you east, west, going east, west, stretch you out, so they can attack you north, south, attack you vertically. Um, so get stopping him, I think, is really the key. Um, and then their backup running back is probably the most dangerous player on the team. Like he's really explosive. He's gotten like. I believe he has 21 touches this season, and four have gone for 20 plus yards. Um, both, so, both, both as a runner and a catcher. I think he's dangerous, Tyler Beatty. And he was the guy who scored the Kentucky the touchdown on Kentucky last year. Oh. Where they threw they threw that little swing to him out of the backfield, and he just he just went. I remember him. Uh, he's Tyler Beatty. He can fly. Yeah, I always pronounce it Batty, but Batty's what you you use that for different. Like it's like a <laughs> she a Batty. And here's Did me you, doing that. Do you how remember you, you um, fellow kids? When they had Michael Porter Jr. and they yeah, played he, at Kentucky, and he they caught him at Rupp Arena. <laughs> she a baddie. Yeah. I also remember when Michael Porter Jr. finally got in uh, in that SEC tournament, and it was in St. Louis, and it was like, oh, mm-hmm. here, here we go, and uh, he has the chance to hit the game-winning three, and he pulls, and it was just not even close from the top of the key. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was great. That was great. Good times in that St. Louis SEC tournament. Man, this is one I do not regret not going to. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever go back there. That must have <laughs> just been in the contract or something. Oh, well, there's the one bone we're going to throw to you, Missouri. The one hope was like, all right, maybe Missouri will be good this year. We can get like a Kentucky-Missouri. They actually had a chance for it too. But, yeah. the, man, you want to talk about scorn fans. They, they get the Porter family. Like they hired the dad oh, and they no. get Michael Porter Jr. And then his brother, who I never thought he was that good because he was kind of clumsy. He actually got like he got really good going into his sophomore season, and then he's out for the year. It's just mm-hmm. like for Gila, maybe they need to get off that vegan diet. I hope those were the takes that were falling. Was that the vegan diet was causing them to be injury prone? That's the kind of like take I need in my life from like I guess it, you would have it in St. Louis, but like, do people in St. Louis or Kansas City do they even care about Missouri football or Missouri athletics in general? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know really know what their type of dynamics are because I, I, I think Columbia is halfway. I think it's in the middle. It is where it's St. Middle. Louis, Columbia, and then Kansas City, and I think you know whatever interstate that is, that's how you come to get to one of my friends. He is. Uh, he went to UK when journalism school. Man, we did radio stuff together, and he does radio for the ESPN station in uh, Kansas City now. And or it might be the other one. It's eight ten, whatever that channel is. But it's like almost all Chiefs and Royals, and then yeah. Missouri gets like you know Friday Monday treatment because games are happening. But it's not top of the shelf in Kansas City. I wonder if it's any different in St. Louis when baseball. And hockey's not happening because, like, right, you know, right now it's kind of a dead time for them. Yeah, well, so I they, guess maybe they've got more the Rams too, for sure. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Either way, it's just like Missouri, just go eat it. And, and here's the what? thing like, that I worry That's about. What, I, I, I love the five game winning streak over them so much, and I just want to keep mm-hmm. rubbing it in their faces. I know Mark Stoops doesn't want to hear about it. I know Drinkwit said he's he's going to be telling. He's like, it's not going to matter on Saturday, but I'm not going to ignore it. He's like, I inherited the history, good and bad. So he's at least going to try to motivate his guys with it. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to lose that uh, in this scenario because 
it's it, i mean like we're not talking must win or anything like that you built up a lot of goodwill here but let's keep this train rolling let's keep this train chugging along case and what is a game day atmosphere like there it's the worst it's i mean at least it's it worse than vandy yeah, it is because of Vandy, you at least got a bunch of Kentucky fans showing up, but like nobody yeah. wants to go to, to Ferret Field or whatever. So, at least this time, the atmosphere, even with the limited COVID restrictions, it'll be similar to what it normally is there. So, at least we got that. <sighs> Missouri, gosh. The thing I is, I hope for your I, sake they, 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 they handle Mr. Drinkowitz. I know, I know. Well, and, and like, I actually enjoy, like, I think it is a really pretty college town. And like, I enjoy the, uh, there's this little burger joint that I went to. And uh, like, you know, it's one of those that's like dimly lit and you can see the grease sitting over there. Like, they got some good spots down there, good pizza places. People are nice. Um, and they even had this place that I, it, it was a video game slushy bar where you know they got like classic video games and you just go get your margaritas or whatever the hell you want like mm-hmm. they got some i enjoy going there from a it's the friday night before a game i'm gonna go eat some good food and, and enjoy some cocktails uh stay at the Drury inn They're, they got a lot of Drury inns in in that part of the in, in that neck of the woods but i i, I enjoy my trips there and i especially enjoy them because kentucky kicks their ass and i want this trend to continue because I think part of the reason why, like another reason why I'm triggered by him is it's a little Scott Satterfield, you know, and I just, I just want to bury him. Just want to bury him. Noses in it. Because this is, this is like, this is a game where you should be able to muck it up and just physically yeah. out muscle them. The thing about this game is Satterfield or Satterfield. Now you got me mixing them up. <laughs> Drinkowitz, he he does like he uses a lot of motions. You're gonna see like those orbit motions where you make that big circle. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna see a motion on nearly every play, and then uh, you're gonna just um, you're gonna see a lot of different formations um, that you're gonna have to be ready for. They, he's gonna mix in some tempo, so you have to be ready to you know your pre-snap reads and stuff. You you gotta be on on your p's and q's, and he's gonna at tempo. He's gonna try to tempo Kentucky into some miscommunication and that's where that's where you get scared because that's where the big play can come from but if Kentucky can get lined up I think they're going to be fine they should be able to eliminate the big play if they can't hit the big play I think it's gonna be hard for them to move the football well, and, and when Kentucky got gashed on tempo against Tennessee it was in the run game and they were getting like five yards you know Which I think you're fine with though if that, that's what they want to do exactly exactly and that, that against Ole Miss it was guys not getting lined up and I at least believe that those guys have the Ole Miss is a different animal too because they're going a million miles an hour. Like they it, practice that every day to be that fast and be that good at it. You got to do it all the time. Like, and in I the just second don't know game if of the season, else. like right, it, and not much tape on all, like what Lang was going to do there either. Right, right, exactly. So I, I, the only thing that worries me, look at is how little I'm worried right now. Is that yeah? Is that, it, I mean, it's ob- obviously it's you know you're going on the road, so anytime you go on the road, and then it's you know obviously it's a weird spot. Like Kentucky's being hyped up. Stoops went on fine bomb this week. Oh, I didn't but see. I didn't see. This he went on yesterday, first hour. They. Uh, I wonder if he uh, gave a little little shots at Paul because that was what a couple of weeks back. He's like, well, they'll be yeah. saying that now, and then calling me back here in a few weeks. I was listening listening to it while I worked. I I wouldn't listen too closely, but it didn't sound like he did. It was probably typical Stoops, too. It, it, when they call him on a Monday, like, what's he going to say that he hasn't said 17 times that day? Yeah. It's the worst time to catch Stoops is on a – well, not the worst, but did you did you hear Stoops' press conference? I, I wanted to get your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, so the Monday one? Yeah. What, yeah. What, who, is he, who is he taking shots at? That's what I wanted to ask you. I have a note here to ask you that. Because, <laughs> like, I know that most of you all probably aren't listening to his 30-minute conversations, but – he went on and on about guys needing to take it serious. And I know guys want to get theirs, but we've got to be unselfish. And he's, well, he's pointing to like thing, Damon Davis as like, here's I a guy about who JJ Weaver last year. Cause there was that scuttlebutt that came out about this time last year, mm-hmm. but about. he's playing this year. So it's obviously, I don't think it would be him. Well, and I think you get a little bit of Bully McCall because Bully's not, you know, he doesn't strike me as the most mature kind of guy, and he got yeah, suspended he's got a, chance, a week yeah, or two ago. He's got a chance ago. this week, though. 
So maybe some of it was like, and and he even when when asked about bully, he kind of was like, we need to put some pressure on him. So, but to summarize it succinctly, he essentially said, the young guys are talented. I love them, but they got to be more unselfish. And it makes me wonder if there was something there that was bothering him, and he was just waiting until a good moment to really hammer him on it. Um, and because, because I think his thing is, is like, I really like what our seniors are doing, but I got to make sure these young talented guys have that same mentality whenever these seniors are gone. I think he was talking about the true freshman. I think so. That's my best guess because nothing else really makes much sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I was trying to think that too. Like who would he be talking about? Would you think like I, Tay Tay Croons popped in my head? So we ain't heard a peep from that kid. We haven't heard anything from Moses Douglas. You know, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But these, the, the, that's just us grasping at straws because I took the comment more to like it was like an old, like somebody that's probably a redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore. That might Keith be Hayes close. That had a one sided yeah. conversation with. So. Mm-hmm. Or like KD McDaniel, maybe because he's just kind of. I mean, he's close, but he's kind of buried behind a really good position. And I, I think I'm more just like the. I'm more hopeful that Stoops is saying, "Hey, something out there could fester, so I'm going to cut it off at the head it off at the pass. We're going to nip this problem in the bud. We're going to bring the team together, and we're going to try to get a, everybody on the same page mentality wise." Especially when you look at like the makeups of the classes, where a lot of the successful guys, like Sands, like Pascal, or well, hell, I guess Landon, they're more highly recruited. But you've got a lot of guys who have that hard nose. We're gonna go to work kind of mentality. Some of these, there's a lot of trash talking <laughs> for these these underclassmen. So maybe that's just him trying to get into their heads. Either way, the time to do that kind of sort of messaging is when you have a lot of good things to say about your win. Not a whole lot of bad. So you just kind of generate something to keep people on their toes anyway. Um, and maybe Stoops was doing that. Or gamesmanship. Stuff that he doesn't have the chance to do very often. So well, let's hope that that's what it was. And it was, in fact, uh, no big deal. Um, but it yeah, was, was kind of weird. Very interesting timing. So obviously something's going on there that he's not all too happy with. But um, I think – also, the team, they're an older team, so I think he feels like he can do that calling out in public because I think right. the locker room is probably in pretty good pretty They're good keeping state. everything in line, yeah. Right, right. Um, what's uh, were, were you surprised that Alabama just absolutely stomped Georgia? I thought that was some easy money. Well, what that game comes down to is just it's skill talent, and the mailman just wasn't beaten that Alabama team. Like, it just, it just comes – like, not that – Mac Jones has been good this year, but – like it's Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. Like the skill talent in these in these big games is just the difference maker. That's why Alabama, I think they're gonna win it all. And I know the defense isn't great, but we saw this with last year with LSU. It just doesn't matter. If you're able to play in space and you got receivers that can just go up and get it, and you got a running back that's just gonna run on everybody, it you just it's it's tough because they're gonna score 38 to 42 points on everybody they play. It's can you can you get to that number? Mm-hmm. And Georgia just didn't – Georgia hung there for a little bit, um, but they just didn't – they didn't have the ammo. And that's what I thought all week. I, I just didn't know if they would have the ammo to do it. Because, like, Georgia's got a great defense, but we're seeing all these great defenses just get sliced by by these modern-day offenses right now. They really – they really – Especially are. with this ta- – like, when you have this elite talent at receiver, I think that's the biggest thing LSU, I think, showed to everybody last year. Um, like Burrow was good, but it was also just the skill talent they had. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, he's showing he's a freak right now. Jamar Chase is probably gonna be the first receiver in this next draft. Clyde Edwards Alaire, look what he did last night. Mm-hmm. They had an NFL tight end. Um, Terrace Marshall, who was like the fourth receiver on that team, might end up like being one of the leaders in receiving in the SEC this year. Like he's having a monster year. LSU stinks, but he's having a monster year. Like they just had like an unbelievable amount of talent. Um, at the skill spots last year i uh i'm also of the things that happened on saturday one of the least surprising things was that north carolina was overrated like oh looky here 
They were ranked. Yeah. I, I couldn't even believe they were fifth in the country because they've been unimpressive the entire time going into that game. So uh, good for Mike Norvell being the overranked fifth ranked North. Big Carolina. game coming up for uh, Florida State and Louisville. Yes. Yes. The Which monster I could, game for Louisville. Of all of the things to have, that that surprised me a lot was that like if there was going to be a score where it was a close game, twelve to seven, Louisville's defense doing yeah. thing. That if was, you told me Louisville only scored seven points at Notre Dame. Oh, and like, oh, that one got, yeah, that one got ugly. <laughs> Which Notre Dame moved the ball; they just can't create explosive plays. So, like, they consistently move the ball. They just had some red zone blunders and let Louisville hang around. It really is a Clemson, Alabama. I think Ohio State's going to be the other right. one, and then who's the fourth team that gets their ass kicked in the yeah. playoff? But when I look at Clemson, like they lost Justin Ross. Obviously, Etienne's a badass, but I just don't know if they have the receivers. Like if you get in a shootout with Alabama, like yeah, I know you famous. got Trevor. I know you got Trevor Lawrence, but Waddle's a walking video game, and Devontae Smith is just—he's open every time. Like it don't matter yeah. who's covering him. And then Najee Harris is mini Derrick Henry. They're good. And then they got the, probably the best offensive line in college football. Like their offense is just ridiculous. Man, that's not going to be a fun game in Tuscaloosa. No, well. Let's hope you got, about no, you got nothing to lose. So get you know the weather's turning, Nick Roush. <laughs> the weather's going to turn, and so you get that wind picked up a little bit. You know, you Ooh. get a couple turnovers. Maybe Mac Jones gets in his head. And, you know, people are showing that picture of him in a construction hat outside yeah. of the craft center, and he starts getting a little shaky. You don't Throw know some turnovers, which. The, they've been a lot of fun, all the interceptions and fumbles. It's going to end up dry. The well, that well is going to drop eventually. The good thing in that game, though, is like Kentucky should be able to run the ball a little bit on Alabama. So if they could just hit a couple explosive plays, you know, who knows? But yeah, it's going to, I mean, it's tough. Jalen Waddell is a freakazoid. Like, I cannot get over how good that kid is. Yeah, I know you were foaming at the mouth thinking about the Bengals taking him. Yeah, well, well, if he can't play left tackle, it's probably not, not going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, this weekend, Big Ten football back, uh, and uh, but your your cousin, man, I mean, knocked out for the first one. I know, and bringing in the the backup, Brian's going to be calling the shots on the sideline, which is just kind of weird. Like I, I don't know, I, I I forget that he's. Not, not that I forget that he's been a coach there, but it just seems so much more recent because I remember when Jeff was coaching Brian. So like, yeah, it, it's it's just going to be it's going to be different. I'm 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 hoping they can uh, do something big against Iowa. Who knows that their their quarterback's going to be worth a damn or not? But hey, they got Wandale, so anything can happen. Or not Wandale, Rondale. There, Dale's mixed up. There's a shot at snow for Michigan, Minnesota Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> like it's on the forecast for Friday and Sunday, and it's supposed to be like 32 degrees at kickoff. Like, That'd yeah, be great. Yeah. Big, big 10 kicking go. off the season in snow. <laughs> and also, Michigan State plays Rutgers. And just for the insanity of it, I'm playing that the under just so I'm watching the game. So I can watch that that garbage <laughs> for 60 minutes. So yeah, I have that I can't on the screen. You want to put else. yourself through that. I want to watch Scott Frost just get his mouth just buried in the turf, just decimated by Ohio Did State. You, Frost came out today. He has two starting quarterbacks. Oh, of course he does. He's, he's <laughs> doing the Eli Drinkwood thing. Well, they got to prepare for them all. It's like, it don't matter. Ohio State's going to kick your ass. Is Martinez still there? Yeah. He's only a junior, senior. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think he's the junior. He's been there forever. Uh, yeah. He's on the Garantano plan. Martinez one time was committed to Tennessee. Hmm. Small. Then small they fired that when they fired Butch, that's when kind of they lost him in the shuffle. Hmm. Oh man. Well, Nebraska's gain, am I right? Yeah. Do we need to get back on Fate Syracuse? Minus 45 Clinton. Favorite by 45 points yeah. in a conference game. Yeah. That did did Clemson cover that spread in the first half against Georgia Tech? I think they had like yeah i'm pretty sure true it's a lot of points i didn't really watch any of that i just kept looking at it and it was just like good night (laughs) yeah oh man well like it i think it's time for me to fly um my son's very not happy with me i've been working a lot today instead of hanging out with him he's pissed so say quit talking football dad 
Go do your dad things. Just tell tell your son Duke. Um, it's going to be a get right game for Kentucky's offense. Yes. As long as they keep the big play in check, they should be in really good shape. Hey, that sounds good to me. Keep on those winning ways before we bring on Georgia. Enjoy the ball game this weekend, folks. And remember to always go Cats and go Kroger. Green.